You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life.
How about now? Can you hear me? I think you can hear me now. Nope, you're not going to see me, but you should hear me. Can you hear me now? I'm so sorry for those of you on Podbean Live. I'm getting the, the social media live part right because people are watching me on social media or listening to me on social media just like you're listening to me live on iHeartRadio, on Pandora. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for your patience. I appreciate it. So let me start again because you know I done said a whole mouth. Pop, pop, you know I done said a whole, a whole, you know, like a whole intro and y'all just missed it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So let me repeat that for you. Very good. Let me repeat that for you. So I was saying that, um, as you know, tonight we're going to talk about the hard-hearted nation. So that's right. No visual, just audio. So uh, I'm talking about topic, the hidden gospel, the hidden gospel. And then the subtopic, the hard-hearted nation the hard-hearted nation. So let me begin by, again, repeating my story. I'm so sorry, all you out there listening, or you're going to hear it again. So when I was younger, I was telling you all about how my parents would give me instruction to get certain tasks done. The issue was I would always inevitably come back with something that was not done something that was not completed. And my parents began to bring to my attention that my issue was that while they were talking, I was formulating my response. And the issue with formulating your response while someone is talking, and believe it or not, this problem actually followed me as I got older, as I even got older into the workplace in corporate America, where I literally had to slow down and learn how to be an active listener, an active listener. See, because an active listener, you like that pod, me how I cut that short, an active listener is one that listens with intent. An active listener does not listen for how they can respond, but an active listener is listening to look for the instruction. They're looking for the instruction. They're looking for the wisdom. They're looking for the knowledge that is coming out of what is being said to them. And the problem in today, in today's church, the problem with today's Christian is that we are not listening intentively for what is to be our, our response. How do we, what is it that we're being dispersed this wisdom to perform? What is to be performed? Get over to 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to start there. We're looking for what is to be performed. And so many times we miss that. And we know, we know that it's being missed because we see in our church today a bunch of responding people, but we don't see any doers of the word. We don't see that today. It is almost as if you, the person sitting next to you has heard something that you did not hear because they're able to perform something. It's almost as if two people could be sitting on the same pew right next to each other hearing the same message, but to one it's hidden and then to the other it's clear and they are able to perform it. What tells us that they heard it is that they can perform it. Come on, stay with me. I'm going somewhere in 2 Corinthians 4. I'm in the King James Version where it says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we 
faint not. But we have renounced, I'm sorry, I'm in verse two now. I was in verse one a little while ago, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience, every man's conscience in the sight of God. But it says in verse three, but if our gospel be hid, if those we are sharing that gospel with, if they just don't understand, if they just don't get it, if they just don't get us as a deliverer, it is because, come on, pick back up, it is hid to them that our that are lost. So this begs the question. Here's the question. Why is it hid to those who are lost and who decided they were lost? Come on, you ever wonder why you can comprehend the word of God and you can perform it and you can come back in the next week with that with that knowledge literally a part of your being? That's how easy it is to perform it. But you can see others who have made absolutely no change. So what am I saying? We can no longer, we can no longer uh, despise or put down our leadership as if they're not giving us the word of God that is to change our life, that is to live by when we aren't hearing it. Because we're too busy formulating our response when they are speaking that wisdom to us. And then when we go through trauma on that week, we have the nerve for them to repeat what they just told us on Sunday that we did not digest. That we did not digest. Why not? Because we don't know not only who they are, but we don't seem to know who we are. And we don't know what we're supposed to be doing with the word of God that has been entrusted to us. So we make ourselves of those to whom the gospel is now hidden from and we're lost. And we know when we're lost because we cannot perform. We cannot perform. Listen, you all have heard me say many times that I'm a big fan of the Matrix series. And you know, with that new movie coming out, I was all about that. And if you recall in that first movie, for those of you who haven't seen it, in that first movie of the Matrix, Neo, he goes to see the Oracle. The character Neo, he goes to see the Oracle and he has absolutely no expectations. Sound familiar? Like some of us attending our churches today. He has absolutely no expectations. But why does he not have any expectations? He has no expectations because he does not believe that she is who she says she is or who anyone else says that she is. And get this, he's not even convinced of who he is. Even though he's been told by the leader Morpheus who he is, he doesn't fully believe it. So when he goes to see the oracle, she performs according to what he expects. She said a lot, but he heard nothing. He couldn't read between the lines and he gives a voice to what he believes. A lot of us do this. We give voice to what we believe by saying, I'm not the one. 
I'm not the one. Come on, you better call up my leader. He'll tell you, you ain't never heard that come out of my mouth. You ain't never, ever to the never heard me say, I'm not the one. Come on, can you put that in the chat? Say, I am the one. I am the one. Know who you are. I am the one. So fast forward to the third Matrix movie that last, not the last one, the one before the newest one that came out, Revelations. Neil, at this point, he's accepted that he's the one. And since the last time he saw the Oracle, he has all these questions and he, he goes to see her and he was like, why didn't you tell me about the previous people that were the one? Why didn't you tell me about, you know, the, the destruction of my world? Why didn't you tell me? And he just kept asking her, why didn't you tell me this? And why didn't you tell me that? And she told him that she wasn't the one who decided not to tell him that, but she pointed out to him that when he decided, when he decided he was the one, he actually made the decision not to have access to the knowledge. He made the decision not to have access to the understanding. And that is much like us today. We decide what we should hear. We decide what we should understand. Therefore, we decide this based on what we believe. At the root of it is what we believe. This character, Neo, he didn't believe anything. He didn't believe anything, not even himself and who he was. He didn't believe anything. And because he didn't believe anything, he alone made the decision what he could hear and what he could understand. See, once we make that decision, once we make that choice, one of two things are going to happen. Our understanding, based on what we believe, is either going to belong to the true and the living God or to the God of this world. If it is the true and living God, then we understand, as 2 Corinthians 4 and 2 says, that dishonesty, craftiness, and deceit is not our portion. See, worth a mention here, just a sidebar, dishonesty, craftiness, and deceit, I noted they consume a person. So they think, you know, like that commercial on TV, that nobody sees it. And we're looking like we all see it. We all see the dishonesty. We all see the craftiness. We all see the deceit. But so why are they carrying on in it? They're carrying on in it because they have followers. They have people that will follow the dishonesty, the craftiness, and the deceit. But see, for those of us who choose to believe, we understand that what we have is ministry, mercy, and truth. But if it's the God of this world, we understand as verse four says, he's already blinded the minds of them. What? The core. We just talked about it. That believe not. Those that believe not the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should, should shine upon them. If you don't believe, then he's not going to share that knowledge. So you will not have exposure to that knowledge. You will not be invited in to that table of wisdom. Come on, I'm going to prove it to you as we go on. Stay with me because you know I'm going somewhere. See, here's a sidebar. Here's a thought. The non-believers, they've infiltrated so much so our churches and guess what? Our pulpits, they've even engaged the enemies on levels that 
they don't even realize they've done. And they're hiding behind his deceitful protection that he provides. They aren't even aware that they've exchanged one belief system for another because the enemy of this world, he has blinded them to what is obvious to those of us that believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. See, our confidence is in, come on, we talked about this a week, a week or so ago, our confidence is in following through. Our confidence is in following through, following through in what? Preaching, not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, the, the Christ Jesus, the Lord. We understand it. We understand God's command that shines out of darkness and into our hearts. It gives the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But it takes us back to, well, wait a minute, still. The loss, the loss, the gospel, it is hidden to those that are lost. So we got to ask the question, who are the lost? Come on, you got to be able to identify them, even if the loss is in you. Because you have access now to the light. Why? Because I just told you so. You have access to the light. You just have to change your belief system. That's it. Move to another belief system. Move to the belief system of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was born, who lived, who died, who's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you right now. Why? Because, come on, you are the one. You are the one. Now go over to Matthew 13 and I'm at verse one where it says, and I'm telling you right now, who are the lost? The same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the seaside. Verse one says, verse two says, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into the ship and he sat and the whole multitude, they stood on the shore. Come on, understand, there's a separation. There's a separation, come on, say it. There's a separation between me and the multitude. There's a separation between me and the multitude. And verse three says, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, behold, a sower went forth to sow. This tells me it is not always in a great multitude gathered together that we are going to find the knowledge that we see just because there's a crowd it doesn't mean that therein lies understanding just because there's a crowd does not mean that therein lies wisdom is it wisdom of god is it understanding of god or is it wisdom of the world or is it understanding of the world Okay, okay, so today's terms, just because there's a large following, okay, in today's terms, a large following, what is she talking about? A bunch of likes, doesn't mean that there's understanding there. Doesn't mean that there's wisdom there. Doesn't mean that there's healing there. Does that mean that God is there? So we need to know what does, what does not only who the lost are, but what exactly does understanding look like? See, because the lost have a different understanding. And if you're not careful, you will be amongst them and you will take part. You will be a partaker of their understanding, not realizing, realizing that you have slowly been manipulated, been um, inducted 
inducted into the world belief system because it can look quite similar. So when you think about understanding, verse four says, when he sowed some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. So we see, oh, let me go to verse five. So some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness. They had no depth of understanding. So when you talk about what does understanding look like, one form of it is it has no depth. It's only on the surface. You know, I love I love God because he first loved me. We don't we don't delve into the scriptures to understand the promises of God and understand what God requires of us to receive those those promises. We only know God on the surface. Only only that he is and that's all we know. And we know God and we don't know Jesus. So we can't even get to the door that is Jesus. We, we technically can't even get to God because we don't know Jesus. And he's that door that gets us to God. And verse six says, and when the sun was up, they were scorched to burn superficially, that is, to affect painfully with heat, that is. And because they had no root, because they had no commitment to Christ. No, no, nothing within them that could withstand trouble, nothing that could withstand persecution. They withered away. They fell away. They went into ruin. They went into disgrace. They went into dishonor. They were consumed away. They descended. They descended. These are they that are not grounded in relationship. So there's your understanding. It's not grounded in relationship. What I know about you is not because of relationship. It's more like hearsay. It's more like hearsay because I don't know you, God. I don't know you. My leader told me that you're a healer, but I don't know you. We don't have a relationship. See, they believe God. But being scorched, they've been burned by life experiences. They have no root. They have no commitment to God. They wither away into their own decisions and choices, much like the vessel that does not follow through between seeing God and hearing God comes them, comes them. Remember, we talked about that. And then number two, they have no commitment. The first sign of difficulty, they disappear. These are those in verse seven, where it says they fell among thorns and thorns sprung up and they choked them. It became too hard to do. I'm not committed enough to follow through. I'm not committed enough to follow through this hard time, to follow through this misunderstanding, to get to the understanding. So I back away. I allow, I allow the thorns to spring up and choke out what little, what little understanding I do have. And then you have that third realm of understanding where it says you understand with relationship. This is the disciple. This is the disciplined one. Verse eight talks about it where it says, but other fell on good ground and they brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some 60fold, some 34, 30 fold. And then it says, verse nine, who hath ears to hear, let them hear. If you have ears to hear, I command you to hear. If you have ears to hear, I command your ears to hear now. See, because we have to know 
what we are working with. Is this relationship or is this no death and no commitment, no applied discipline in the things of God? What exactly are we working with? Verse 10 says, and the disciples came unto him and they said, why are you speaking to the crowd? And why are you speaking to them in parables? And he said, because I have a relationship with you all disciples. I have a relationship with you. And it's much different from the followers. It's much different from those who give me the lights. It's the much different from those who, who, um, who asked to request to be my friends, but I never fellowship with them. I never spend any time with them. See, I'm a sidebar here real quick, but social media can give you that false deception and security of a fame that doesn't exist, of a platform that does not actually exist because you don't know the people that you're talking. You don't know all of those people that you're talking to. You don't know that they're listening or not listening. You don't know that their life is being changed by the words you speak or not. And just by the amount of likes on a post can all of a sudden make you think that you are something that you are not. It can lower you into a false sense of relationship. And now the people that you actually do know, that you actually do have contact with, all of a sudden they not worth your time. They're not worth your time because you got all these facsimiles of a relationship on social media that don't actually exist. They don't actually, actually, actually exist. You don't actually know those people. Verse 11 says, he answered to them. He said, because it's given to you disciples to have that, to have the understanding, to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven because you're disciples. But to all the followers, it's not given to them to all the to all the likes it's not given to them don't think that just because somebody likes the post or somebody likes something you posted on social media that that all of a sudden they have this understanding of your ministry so you have 500 likes and you started out a minister by the end of the week you got 2000 likes and you're an impossible you're an you're you're an impossible yep you're that too you're an apostle of a church that you created in your mind now you got to have services on Sundays and you got to you got to uh, put on a robe and get on social media and you got to be the pastor of the 5000 people that are listening to you that you have no relationship with because they hit like. Because they hit like. Verse 12 says for whosoever hath to him it shall be given. What? What is it saying here? Should that whatever you have is going to be given relationship, relationship, and he shall have more abundance, <clears throat> abundance of what? Understanding. If you have relationship, come on. If you have relationship, I'm going to give you more relationship. And in that more relationship, you're going to get a better understanding. You're going to get a better understanding. But if you don't have that, but whosoever hath not from him, it shall be taken away what he hath. You know, back when I was younger, the old people used to say, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And sometimes I really felt like they were using the scriptures. They were using those little sayings to remember the scriptures. And this was one of them when they would say, if you don't use it, you lose it. This right here, because you have access to it. 
but you choose to not take part in that relationship. You choose, since you choose not to take part in that relationship, you choose to not be a part, a recipient of that understanding. So if you don't have nothing, whatever you did get, I'm taking it away. Verse 13, therefore speak, I speak to them in parables. Why? Because seeing they see not and hearing they hear not. Why? And, and oh wait, last part, neither do they understand. That's key. Neither do they understand. Why do they not understand? How is it that they do not understand? Not because it was decided by God that they shouldn't understand. It was decided by them that they should not understand when they made the choice not to believe. When they made the choice not to believe, when you make the choice not to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he lived, that he died, that he's sitting at the right hand of the, that he's resurrected and sitting at the right hand of the father interceding for you right now. When you make that choice not to believe, when you make that choice not to believe, you also making a choice not to understand. You have now repositioned yourself amongst those who are lost. The gospel is now hidden to you. Come on, I'm going to get to the second part. I'm going to get to that subtopic. Just hold your horses now. Hold on because you know we're going somewhere and I'm taking you with me. So we're still back. We're still back now to the question, who are those that do not believe? Let's identify them. You need to know. You need to be able to recognize when people have made a decision not to believe. You need to be able to recognize this. Go to Matthew 16. I'm in verse 1. Now the Pharisees. Remember the Pharisees, those with their own form of piety, influencing the enemy of Jesus and the Sadducees, come on, the religious ones, the, the ones that denied the resurrection, denied the immortality of the soul. When they came up, they wanted to test Jesus. So you wanted to bring your pious your pious and your your pious attitude and your re, your religious practices and test Jesus and they said to him show us a sign so they wanted him to authenticate himself show us a sign from heaven that's something that's going to support who you are but he replied to them when it is evening you say it will be fair weather for the sky come on the sky that's what's visible now for the sky is red and in the morning, it will be stormy for the sky. Again, that which you can see is red and it has a threatening look. You know, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky. You know how to interpret what you can see, what you can see. But you can't interpret the sign of the times. You can't interpret me. You can't interpret my purpose. And then he said, an evil and morally un faithful generation craves a miraculous sign an evil and morally morally that means you have no discipline uh an evil and undisciplined unfaithful generation craves a miraculous sign but no sign is going to be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then he left them and he walked away. He left them and he went away. Why? Because instead of a sign, instead of proof, 
for your evil, your immorality, your unfaithfulness, you're going to get what? A parable. You're going to get a parable. Why? Because you're part of the crowd. You're part of the crowd. You're excess. You're excess. While, while there may be 5,000, only five of you believe. The rest of you are excess. Are excess. Why? Because of what you chose to believe. And he said, the reason I speak like this to a crowd, and listen here, the crowd is not the point. But what the people in the crowd believe, that's the point. That is what this scripture is pointing to. And it's also pointing you to how to address them. It's telling the speaker how to address them. Why? So that you yourself can have an understanding rather than an offense. I'm talking to leaders right now. You can have an understanding rather than an offense if you can identify who you're talking to. Who are you talking to? And the hearer, and in the hearer's unbelief system, um, they change from the system of the world to the one of God who created people that created the systems of the world. So what I'm saying there is we the, we the people, rather than believing God, rather than believing the true and the living God, we rather we'd rather direct our belief systems toward the people that created the systems of the world. So we're going to exchange God for something man created. We're going to exchange an, a, a God who created us for something that he, what he created, created. Are you understanding that? That I'm deciding not to, not to believe God, but instead I'm going to believe, um, I'm going to believe Carl who God created and Carl created uh, different portions of the world system, but God created him. But I'm just going to go with Carl. I'm not going to go with God because that's that's too hard. That requires all this discipline. And Carl over here is giving me money, and he's giving me contracts, and I'm getting wealth. And I, it's just so easy. So why should I? Why should I believe the God who created Carl? I'll just take Carl. That's what we're doing today. We're. Ex I mean, can you imagine? Should God choose to get offended? how offended he could be on that alone, how he could take his breath back just on that alone that we choose. I mean, think about that. When you go to the store to buy clothes that you don't need, how about that? When you go to the store to buy clothes that you don't need, you will take your gimme that you should give on Sunday and give it to uh, give me Gucci. Give it to Gucci because you want that bag, but you're literally trading God supporting uh, the vision that God has given someone to manifest God in the earth room, you're deciding to take the Gucci bag over that. So I'm going to take God's stuff and I'm going to give it to the person that he created so I can get this bag. We got our priorities mixed up, but understand the power is yours and the decision is yours. The power is yours and the decision is yours. See, God created what he created so that we could be fruitful and multiply multiply what him how by going into all the world and preaching and teaching the gospel of jesus christ but instead we are so enamored with the world system that we are consumed with its fruitfulness its multiplicity and we submit to what should be submitting to us we're taken over by the very thing that we're supposed to take over. 
Rather than sharing with it the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we taint our sharing with robust honorariums. And when we get there, we walk in with our red bottoms, I'm talking to leaders, and encourage and an entourage to make our grand entrance. We take the mic on the stage, barely lit, all these flashing lights like we're in a club, flashing back and forth, and share what we say God has given us. But there are more words of passivity lined with lies and surrounded by false praise. So as Isaiah has said, we, and as we continue to verse 14, and them, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, back full circle, you will hear, and you're going to keep on hearing, but you're never going to understand. You're going to look, and you're going to keep on looking, but you're never going to comprehend. Why is he saying this? Because the priest kept hearing, the priest kept hearing, the priest kept hearing, and they did not understand. The leaders kept looking, but they never comprehended. Why? Why? And we're at our main text, verse 15, for the nation's heart has grown hard. You, ma'am, sir, are a part of a hard-hearted nation. The hard-hearted nation, and with their ears, they hardly hear. So nobody can tell you anything. Nobody can tell you anything, least of all me. And they have tightly closed their eyes. They refuse to see. So you see what you want to see. Because see, otherwise, if they would have allowed their eyes to be open, they would have seen with their eyes, verse 15 says. They would have heard with their ears. Yeah, and they would have understood with their heart. And they would have turned to him, God said. They would have turned to me and I would have healed them spiritually. See, because if you're under the sound of my voice, there's opportunity for you here. This is for you. This is for you. See, if you would just, if you would just release the grip you have on your eyes, you would see with your eyes. If you would release the grip you have on your own ears, you would hear with your ears. And then if you would just release your heart, open your heart, the death grip you have on your heart right now. And if you just turn to God, he will heal you. He will heal you. Now, now understand, I'm not making light of this because a lot of this is brought on by experiences in life. For example, the person who no one can tell what to do might be the person who's had everything dictated to them. It might be that person, un, a person unable at one point in their life to make their own choices. When I was younger, that was me. When I was younger, that was me. It, everything was dictated to me. So I didn't get to make a lot of my choice, own choices. I had a very strict upbringing and my choice told me much like when I wanted you to think like, like my choices pretty much were work like in my mind because you better not voice them when i was younger you better not voice a choice you did listen my mother should say when i want to know what your choice is i'll tell you what it is then you can speak it back to me but until then i don't want to hear anything you have to say so and it was for my protection it was for my protection because i was a child and best believe i thought as a child some of us are in our 30s, 40s, and 50s, and we're still thinking like a child, and no one can tell us anything. When you could just admit, I'm thinking like a child. If you can, what I've been doing is not working. If you can kindly shed some light, I'm willing to try something different. So what happened was going through that phase of not going through a childhood where everything was dictated to me, I had to literally resolve 
that when I, you know, when I got older, while I wanted to make my own choices, I, I couldn't, I could only go but so far because see, I always had that caveat that said, you respect your elders. You respect those who have charge over you because they have wisdom and experience that you don't. So I've always been mindful as I've been taught that someone is always going to be in charge and it's not always going to be me. So I had, I knew that you have to be willing to take instruction, even get this, even when you don't understand even when you don't understand. And that was good teaching to get me through my adult life. And as I grew, because it helped me to, uh, to align with those that were instructing me in the Lord. And that's our problem now. We just make up our mind that because of what we've been through, that we're not going to allow certain things any longer. And we have, and we have no caveat. We have no, 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 no A to our one. We just have one. Number one, nobody ain't going to be talking down to me. Nobody ain't going to tell. Number two, nobody's going to be telling me what to do, but we don't have a, a one A. However, nobody's going to be talking down to me. However, if they're older than me, maybe perhaps if I keep, you know, if I should listen, lest I keep running into this brick wall. See, we decide, we decide to become a part of that hard-hearted nation. When no one can tell us anything, we decide to become a part of that hard-hearted nation. And we don't understand when we choose to follow our mind, oh, we are a perfect candidate for Satan to run crazy, wild with our thoughts and with our decisions, because we only hear ourselves. So all he has to do is convince us that his talking is ourselves and we're going to follow it right off a mountaintop because we don't understand that we don't know everything. We don't know everything. See, God placed, y'all hear me say this all the time, God placed people in the body just, just so where they can most operate together to build the kingdom of God. There is no way that I can become what God is calling me to become without helping my sister who's right next to me to become what God has called her to become or my brother who's to the left of me to become what God has called them to become unless they just don't want to be it. Unless they all just unless they just don't want to be it. See, everyone has experiences that that impact their life, that impacts their hearing, that impacts their heart, and makes them just want to dismiss any opportunities to learning that may appear painful or that may appear just even somewhat like vaguely like something that they've been through. Because, you know, because you don't want nobody to control you. You don't want nobody telling you what to do. You know, especially the, uh, the generation, the, um, the uh, millennial generation. So many of them I know, and a lot of them are now adults, but they might have been latchkey kids when they were growing up. So that latchkey child knows, taught themselves how to cook taught themselves how to clean. They found their parents and their, their parents, if they had two parents or most of the time it was single parents and they followed their instruction, you know, have this clean by the time I get to have dinner cool. So there's a lot of things that they taught themselves that I was taught by someone, but they taught themselves. And it's hard to tell someone who's raised themselves practically that that's the wrong way. 
So we have to be mindful of that. And you have to know your generation. That generation to me, I always label them a social generation, very social generation, very sociable generation. So there's a lot that you can learn from them as far as technology, interacting and working in social media. But then there's other things that they can learn from you. They can learn the wisdom from you. See, because they're younger, they have the strength, they have the zeal, but they don't have the wisdom. See, that's why you got the big lump, the concussion on your head. You keep running to that brick wall. If you pause for a moment, I might be able to tell you how to get around that, how to deal with that. But we have to be willing to help each other. Nobody gets to throw nobody away. Lest you find yourself not unwillingly, not even knowing that you just moved, packed up and moved yourself to be a part of a hard-hearted nation, a hard-hearted nation. So what do we do? So what do we do when we find ourselves, when we examine ourselves? Up oh, there it is again. She's telling us to examine ourselves. That's right. Look at yourself. When, what do we do when we find ourselves a part of a hard-hearted nation? It's so simple, yet the enemy, the devil, can make it seem so incredibly hard, so incredibly impossible. How about this? Repent. Yep, turn around. Just turn around and go the opposite direction. How about that? That is all. Just go the opposite direction. See, we serve a God who has felt all of our infirmities. He's felt our pain. He's even felt the pain that we've caused ourselves. And for the most part, for the most part, it is what we've caused ourselves that we find so hard to forgive ourselves for. And it's our stumbling block today. So when are you going to forgive yourself for that bad decision you made when you were in your early 20s and you didn't listen and it caused your life to go into a completely different direction than it was than you intended it to go? What do you do? Repent. Forgive yourself. A lot of us are tripping over our own unforgiveness of our own self. We can't seem to let it go. If we see someone from that time period where we made a mistake, we just about go into a, a hyperventilation. We just can't seem to forgive ourselves for the mistakes that we have made. I give you today permission to forgive yourself. It's accessible to you today to forgive yourself. So, so we, you know, what happens if we can't forgive ourselves, we unknowingly make ourselves the Sadducees. We make ourselves religious because we get into religious practices because we don't want to extend ourselves because we've been hurt before. So much church hurt. So we don't want to extend ourselves. So we'll just practice the religious faith where we won't engage in, in, in Christ. So we, we force ourselves into a religious box where we're denying the resurrection, our own resurrection. We're denying the more immortality of our own soul. We're denying divine predestination. We're denying the power of God because we put ourselves in this little religious box to protect ourselves. Or we might be the Pharisee. We become full of piety. And we desire, we desire the big crowd. Why? Because, you know, they told me I wasn't nothing. They told me I was never going to be nothing. So I got to prove to them that I'm something. I got to prove to them that I'm great and wonderful now. So I'm going to subscribe to the crowds because they make me look big. 
They make me look, they make that person look like a liar and they make me look like I've told the truth. Now, if we actually told that person, now keep in mind, if I actually told the person, if you actually said you're being very religious right now, very Sadduceous, <laughs> or or you're being you're being quite quite Phariseeist right now. You're being they would let me tell you, they would swear you down. No, I'm not. They would swear you down. No, I'm not. They'd be like, no, I believe God. God is real. But they they don't understand what God they're talking about. They've lost, they've lost track. They've been in protective Sadduceeism mode so long. They've been, that's not even a word, y'all. Don't repeat that. They've been in, in, in Phariseeism so long. Not a word. Don't repeat that. They've been in it so long that they don't even realize what they subscribe to. They will swear that you are lying. You are wrong. You, it's not, I mean, you would get like flat out denial. And that's why I'm exposing it to you all so that you're clear on what you're dealing with. Clear on, clear on, be clear when people have made a decision. And stop continuing to cast your pearl on swine. And stop continuing to try to beat the swine with your pearl like you're going to make them into something. You don't get to trespass no one's choices because God doesn't trespass yours. What you get to do is recognize what it is and move away if it's not in alignment with God's will, God's purpose, God's plan for your life. But you don't get to condemn it to hell as if it can never recover. You get to give it space. And perhaps maybe you're not the one that has that word of deliverance for them, but maybe the person behind you does, because maybe they have more experience as to where that person has come from. Maybe they've been where that person is at, and maybe they can say one sentence to your paragraph that'll change everything. That will change everything. Your job is just simply to recognize. See, you're speaking in parables to the crowd because you recognize that 90% of the crowd is a Pharisee or a Sadducee. They've already made their decision. They've made their choices, whether it's based on their experiences, whether it's based on um, circumstances that they've been through, they've made their decision. But there, there's, there's a few there. There's 10% there. There's a 10%. There's a tie there that God has called to each and every one of us. And just because you didn't have the word to save that hard heart and pull them from that nation, just because you didn't have that word doesn't mean that there's not a word for them. But what you are going to do so that you don't get, a, get offended is back away in parables. Back away and use your parables. You don't have, listen, sometimes we can get so, um, um, you're going to be with, I'm, I'm going by me. Let me say me. Let me see me. I can get, when I was younger, I felt like if God showed me that this is for you, then I was, I was going to keep pursuing until you took it because God said it's for you. But I had, I learned a really hard, hard, painful lesson. You don't get, I don't get to drag anyone over the finish line. It has to be their choice. It absolutely has to be their choice. I don't get to pull you kicking and screaming because I would try to pull you kicking and screaming because I saw it. I saw what God has for you. And, and I would get so hurt when you didn't want it. I would get so hurt when you pushed me away because I was pushing too hard to get you to see it. And I had to realize the lesson is you don't get to fling anybody across the finish line. They must make the choice. Why? Because 
everything is contingent upon what they believe. So even if I dragged you across the finish line, if you didn't believe that you were the one, guess what you're going to do eventually? You're going to turn around and go back. See, as prophets and prophets, true, true prophets and prophets, we can see that, yes, the, the apostle has the blueprint, but we're on the ground building it out. So we know who's who. God shows us who's who. He shows us this person has this. I gave this one that, and I gave this one that, and this one over here has that. So we know how to position everybody so that we can build, so that we can build the kingdom of God. We know how to do that. And when people won't get in line, we're halfway tempted to yank you by your neck and fling you in line. And what I had to learn is I don't get to fling. <laughs> I don't get to force you into position. I can tell you that position right there, God has it for you. And he's already putting you what's needed to the left of you and the right of you and in front of you and in back of you to, to help us build the kingdom of God. But if you don't want it, if you don't believe that, if you don't receive it, if you don't know you're the one, I have to back away. And from that point on, my conversations become parables so that I don't get offended. My job is just to tell you what God is saying. My job is not to make you be what God said. I'm going to, God, listen, God's word does not return to him void. If I speak it, it has to return something back. Now, if you don't grab it, guess what? The person behind you, they might grab it. And now they have the promise because you did not want it. You made a hard, fast choice that I, I prefer to be religious. I'll just stick into this ritual. You know, I'll come to church. I'll do what I'm asked to do. I'll give. I'll do this, that, and the other thing. But I don't want to participate. I don't want to be a partaker of the body of Christ. I don't want to be a, I don't want to do suffering thing. I don't need to know nobody. I don't need to talk to nobody. I don't need to fellowship with my brothers and sisters. I could just come and do what's asked of me and I'm out the door. Okay. Okay. Pharisee. Sounds good if that's what you're choosing. Okay, but you know, I like to, because I like the religious practice. Oh, but no, I decided I want to be pious and arrogant. And and, I, and you know, because nobody ain't ever gave me nothing. I got here by myself. So I don't need none of y'all and blah, 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 blah. Okay, now we got the Pharisee and the Sadducee. Okay, you made your choice and all I can do is back away. All I can do is back away. You got to know when it's hands off. You got to know when to throw your hands up. You got to know when to throw your hands up. Because you just because, and then remember, just because you don't have that word, I said that earlier, just because you don't have that word to pull that hard heart out of that nation, just because you don't have it doesn't mean the person behind you doesn't have it. So you got to be hands off. You got to be hands off. And that's all I have for you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We have been talking about the lost gospel and we've been talking about the hard hearted nation. I'm sorry, not the lost gospel, the hidden gospel, the hidden gospel. And we've um, talked about the subtopic, the hard hearted nation. And we'll continue this on next week. We're here every Monday at 7 p.m. Again, thank you for joining. Before you go, let me pray with you. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today. I thank you today, God, that those of us who choose to hear, you're helping us to hear you right now. That those of us who choose to see, you're opening our eyes that we might see you right now. I thank you, God, that you are opening our hearts that we might comprehend. 
We thank you that past circumstances and situations are crushed under our feet right now and we start afresh in you. Every experience we had has been for our learning. And we thank you, oh God, today that you have kept us through our learning. You've kept us through the application of our learning. So all offenses we release now and we walk in the freedom of you. We walk in the freedom of the word of God. We walk in the liberty of the word of God. We thank you today, God, for our leaders. Forgive us, God, for any hardship we might have caused our leaders by our lack of performance. Forgive us, oh God, for the for the times when we disregarded the words of our leaders, the direction of our leaders, and instead signed into a, as a hard-hearted, signed into a hard-hearted nation. Forgive us, oh God, and cleanse us from filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit and perfect holiness in us and heal the leaders. Heal their minds, heal their hearts, heal their hands so that they will build again. Heal their feet so that they will go again. Heal their hearts so that they will love again. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Every leader under the sound of my voice, strengthen them now, strengthen their minds now. Jesus, gird up their, gird up their, their minds, God, with a hedge, a blood-covered hedge of protection of truth. Just forge their mind with the truth of your love. Forge their heart with the truth of your love. God, heal. Heal, God. Make free and deliver not only the people of God, but the true leaders of God. Cleanse our pulpits of the false apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Cleanse and purify, God, in the name of Jesus, and raise up your true apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Raise up a people that will speak the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ that will speak of his life, death, his birth, life, death, and the resurrection, and that he's sitting at the right hand now interceding for us. Raise up your true. Cover and protect your true. Protect their mouths, protect their minds, protect their hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And I thank you, God. I thank you for your grace and I thank you for your mercy that has kept us. And as my voice goes throughout the, out the airwaves, heal, make free, and deliver. Heal, make free, crush I, and deliver. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you so much for joining me today. Again, if you'd like to sow into this podcast, the giving information is on the screen. I am Marie Elizabeth and all the giving outlets. I thank you all so much for joining me and I thank you for your patience. And I show, especially in the beginning when I was getting everything together, but thank you so much. And remember now until next week, don't let go. Don't let go. Hold on, hold on, hold on to this word, hold on to this word and perform it and perform it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining me. I shall see you on next week.